welcome to the Intuitive Insights podcast series. I'm Nina Lockwood, founder and director of Intuitive Interim and Executive Search. Throughout this series, I will be sharing engaging conversations with talented leaders from across the UK transport sector. I'm delighted to welcome Rajinda Pryor, MBE, to this episode of Intuitive Insights. Rajinda is well known in the industry for her support of women in rail, for equality, diversity and inclusion, and for cultural change to support the industry being fit for the future. I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Rajinda as much as I did. Rajinda Pryor, MD, MBE, welcome to the Intuitive Insights podcast. I'm absolutely delighted that you've been able to join me. Thank you, Anina. It's been a, pl- it's a pleasure to, to join you. So at the moment, Senior Account Manager, Network Rail Telecom, um, but lots of other strings to your bow. And I'm really looking forward to hearing about how you came into your career in the first place, what you've done as you've gone along the way, and um, and, and all those, those extra things. Because the MBE has been awarded for your services around diversity and inclusion and raising awareness around domestic abuse. I know that's threaded throughout your life story as well. And I'm really, really am looking forward to hearing about your journey so far. So I'm going to hand over to you. Please take us right back to the beginning, Rajinda, um, and talk us through your career to date. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. Um, so I'll start with um, where, where it did start, which was my mum used to be a seamstress working at home. And I remember as a young girl sitting, you know, sitting by her and watching her make, you know, sewing and making these clothes. And that really did inspire me to want to be in the fashion industry and to want to make clothes. So as I as I as I, as I got older, I decided to go into um, to, to go to college and I studied fashion design and textiles. I then moved into um the, the high street retail uh, retailer industry and I worked for a number of high street retailers uh, I worked for uh, Wallace Whistles uh, R- River Island and I got involved in the manufacturing side so this was at a time when uh, the manufacturing side was uh, you know it was quite prevalent within in the UK um, but at the same time IT uh, started to make its way to the forefront and being a junior Nobody really wanted to touch the IT systems and, and get involved. So what, what, what actually happened was at the same time, there was a number of things that sort of almost uh, happened at the same time. So the IT um, system started to really gain traction and, 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 and I started to sort of lead some of the implementation. But the factories and the sourcing of garments started to go offshore. So it started to move to Turkey, Morocco, et cetera. So I could see that things were sort of really shifting. Mm. But at the same time, the, 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 the retail industry realised that they needed to really invest in you know, their, uh, their future leaders. And so the industry put, you know, came together and they uh, pulled together a, a, a sort of a, 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 uh, an industry degree it was a it was a management degree it was put together with with a number of um retailers and uh it was um, led by london college of fashion so i worked full-time i also did the degree part-time so that was two nights two, two nights a week for four years yeah. and i um i came through you know i came out of that um with my you know with my degree and um, by that time, the industry had, had changed quite a lot. Yeah. And what was interesting was th- what was really interesting for me was that I chose to actually do my dissertation on the perceived threats of um, IT on the future of high street ra- retailing. Oh, wow. OK. So, so, so interestingly, everything that we see now was kind of some of the things that I'd done a lot of research on in terms of this is what the future of you know, of high streets and retailers will, will, will look like. Mm. And I recognised that and I decided, well, the job that I'm doing now, it probably won't exist because everything's going offshore. So actually, now's the opportunity for me to do something different. And what I did was I decided to move into the IT industry. Uh, And how how I got into the IT industry was um, I decided to take a real leap of faith 
And I gave up my job because I didn't want to stay in the retail industry. And I went to a design fair. I went to a, a, a job fair, sorry. And I met a sales director from a consultancy. And I, you know, I sparked up a conversation with him and I explained to him that I'd done this dissertation. And, and this is what the way I felt the, you know, the future of um, high streets and retailers was, was going. And he was so interested in what I had to, you know, what I had to say in my dissertation. He invited me to, the, he invited me back to talk to one of their directors. So I went, I, I went off to, to talk to one of their directors and I, you know, I, I, I explained to them, you know, my, my, my thinking and my research. And at that time, the research that I'd done, there were very few retailers who actually had transactional websites. Okay. And most of them, many of them had just logged a domain name. And so I could see that the future was that these retailers, they would be shifting from the high street and in shops and on, on, online. And that was a real sort of area where IT would really help. So on the back end of this, um, and, and, and I, guess it's, I, I guess it's luck as well, because in my dissertation, I'd quoted one of the directors at the, at the, at the consultancy who'd written white paper on something similar. Right. And the fact I quoted him was it, it immediately it, it, it immediately brought us onto the same kind of thing, you know, thought level. Yeah. Yeah. So the result of that was that they are, that they said, you know, um, would you like to come and work for us? So I moved into um, and it was it was Logica, which is now part of CGI. Yeah. So I moved and worked. Um, worked with them in in their industry distribution and transport function of their um, of, of their business, right. and I never worked I never worked in retail again actually, which was which was really interesting. So so that was where that was where it really started for me in terms of my uh, real introduction to transport, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and so there's a couple of things here that I, I kind of want to to go into in a bit more detail. You've, you mentioned almost in passing that you were part of the future leaders team and you did the degree with the London College of Fashion. How were you selected for that? How did how did you get to be on that course? Because presumably that wasn't open to everyone. How did they identify yeah. that you were a future leader? What is it about you? Uh, I guess one of the things one of the things was that um, I was really keen to learn. You know, I, I think the fact that I was really, really keen to get um, in with the IT and understand the change. And I think that's, again, that, that that's where my sort of real love for change came. You know, I embraced it. I ne I've never fought change. I've kind of always gone with it. Even when it's painful, I've gone with it. And I think that was, you know, that was a clear indica indicator for them that, um, you know, I was, you know, I was keen to move. I was keen to um, change things, change things. But I think it was also the fact that I had a very different um, perspective from other people because I'd kind of gone from, I'd kind of gone from, uh, I had a really good understanding of fashion because I understood the real you know the, the real detail of it you know how to make a garment how to construct a garment because I'd always watched my mum yeah so I really understood, yeah. you know, I really understood the, you know that bit but I also understood the mechanics of um manufacturing right uh and and putting all of that together um and on top of that I worked in McDonald's I'd worked in a shoe shop so I really understood uh, customer service and how to talk to customers you know what they wanted yeah. and understanding that so that kind of gave a real rounded view of the sort of thing that they wanted you know they wanted in a future leader in um, that industry yeah I think that do you know when you, you talk about the fact that you used to watch your mum when she was doing doing her job as a seamstress that I think that speaks volumes about you because you you must have had a passion for it because I honestly cannot imagine my daughter coming and watching me do my work. <laughs> but I also think it, it speaks volumes about your mum because she yeah. must have inspired you. She must have been kind of, you know, involving you and talking to you about what she was doing, how she was doing it, why she was doing it. And all that's kind yeah. of 
sinking in, isn't it? And soaking into to, to you and your kind of wanting to learn how to do things. Um, and then that obviously has a knock on effect as you've gone through your career. Yeah, it was. I, I think I think in, you know, in those days, um, working, you know, my mum didn't speak English, so she didn't speak English. So going out to work wasn't an option. Um, she had young children and she needed, you know, she needed to stay at home to look after those children, look up, look, look after us. Mm. There, were, there, there were four of us. Um, things were very difficult at home as well. So, we, you know, we, 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 we didn't have a very happy um, family life. So her her working and she worked very, very long hours. Mm. Her work was her only form of independence. Right. Yeah. And in a way, form. she. Absolutely. And in a way, she she was working because she had three daughters. And, you know, I came from a family where the, the burden of having three daughters was what was quite heavy. You right. know? So she felt that she needed to work even harder because she needed to contribute to the fact that she had three daughters, to, you know, to marry off. And that was her mentality. And that was one of the things that really drove her. Yeah. Yeah. And that I, I find that fascinating. You know, we kind of we we don't we don't have those kind of motivations, do we, all the time? Um, and I think you know, I've got a, a really good friend of mine who, if you look at her, you would say, "Wow, successful businesswoman, overnight sensation, built a business very quickly, uh, sold it for a lovely amount of money, and and you know has a lovely life as a result." But if you kind of pedal back a bit and you go into her story, there was a real reason why she had to set that business up in the first place, because mm. her husband was a farmer, foot and mouth disease had hit, they'd got three children, they were trying to survive on £150 a month, you can't do it with five people to feed, so the only thing she had was that she could cook, so she mm. set up um, a catering business, and you know the rest is history, but she was she was in a situation where something had to happen. It wasn't a choice about oh gosh right what shall I do today? What career do I fancy? Uh, with your with the story with your mum there, you know, there's a real imperative, isn't there, to to need to to do something and to need to work hard because there's a result, there's an outcome yeah. that you're aiming for. Yeah, wow, different whole whole different level of work ethic. Yeah, and I just just on that point, actually, I think um, that's where the work ethic came because you know my, my father used to work as well, mum used to work, um, and that work ethic it's it was so ingrained in us yeah. um, from a very you know from a very early age. So um, we, I, we we never lost that. I don't think any of um, my you know my siblings we're all very much the same in terms of that work ethic, and that's because we saw it. And also, as you know, because our parents were immigrants, that when they came over, they you know, they felt really, um, you know, really strongly about contributing and about working um, for whatever they need, you know, whatever they needed. Yeah. There was, you know, that there was no expectation for anyone to give them anything, and if that meant both of them working very very long hours then you know that that was you know that that was how it was um so it's a very um it, it's it's a very strong ethic yeah and it's a it's a, a mindset isn't it it's an attitude that, yeah. that that I have to do this this is this is the way I, I am rather than well I'll sit here and wait and then somebody else will come over and, and give me something or tell me what to do or whatever it's kind of no actually I'm going to make my own um, decisions my own choices and 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 work hard and provide so um I, I love these kind of stories I love the background into where so where that that work ethic comes from so so we're at Logica um yeah and you've you've left the retail sector behind and and fashion um, and moved into a completely different area, but focusing on IT, which I guess was, you know, if somebody had come anywhere near me and talked about IT, Rajinder, I'd have run at 100 miles an hour in the opposite direction. But you found something that, that was interesting, that fascinated you, that you wanted to learn about. Um, so the, the role at Logica, were there any kind of standout moments for you in terms of, you know, like, gosh, I, I love what I do here? 
it's really interesting because um, I, I, I actually was, was in touch with my, you know, my manager who's still actually at Logica. And uh, it was really interesting because I remember her telling me, Reginda, it's up to you what you want to do. Because I wasn't, I, I remember going to consultancy and thinking, well, what role do I do? Because there are so many roles. And she said, it's, it's up to you. What do you want to do? And I think one of the things that I felt really strongly about, and I suppose this is where the customer service thing came out as well, was I wanted to work with people. So I absolutely loved being on client site. I loved, you know, I really did love being with lots of different people, you know, meeting lots of new teams, having lots of different new conversations all, all, all the time. So I really lapped that up. And I was quite fortunate because I was able to go to a number of, you know, large, different clients. You know, I've made some great friends at Ford. Uh, I, I worked at the, at the CPS. Uh, I worked at Thompson Travel Group. And then I, I was even involved in the, the, the first uh, congestion charging bid for, for London. So all those things put together really gave me, a, you know, an invaluable experience. And I don't think I ever... You know, and as we're talking, it's interesting because I don't ever really think I worried about the role that I was in. Yeah. I just wanted to enjoy what I was doing. And it's interesting because when I think about where I am now, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy moving from role to role as long as I'm enjoying what I'm doing and making a difference and working with people. Mm. So, so, so that's kind of, you know, where, where, yeah. where it took me. Yeah. And did you were you aware of that all the way through that the that the thing for you is people or did it just all of a sudden dawn on you that actually I'm enjoying this role and I enjoyed the last one because it's around people or did as has that kind of just evolved as you've gone through your career I think I think it's evolved actually I, I don't think I realized early on that it was the people that I that, that I liked being around and now I reflect, I think I use the people as a safety net. Right. I think because, because I wasn't, because I, you know, I hadn't always had a close network. I liked, I, I think there was something, there, there was something comforting about having lots of people around me yes. and working with lots of people. Yeah. And that gave me energy. And that also actually gave me some kind of support. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really important, isn't it? That kind of, and I, I think that over the last 18 months, whilst many people have experienced a lot of benefit about working from home, then so many people that I've had conversations with have said that it's the energy that they miss of being in, in, in a space with other people um, and that feeling of support it's it's huge mm -hmm. it's kind of you know it's it's like it's your tribe it's your you know, they're, they're your people and and they're there in yes we we're working in an office together but actually it, it it can feel like so much more than that when it's when it's been missing so yeah. so when you clearly you've you've worked on a really wide ranging um a client base there really interesting when did you make the decision that right Time was up at Logica and you wanted to move on to the next thing. What prompted that? Um, what prompted it was uh, I, you know, I got married. I met my husband. I, we, we, you know, I got married and then um, unexpectedly I had my first child. Right. So I wasn't expecting, you know, and there's, I, I think I, I often say there is no good time to have a child. You know, it just happens. You can't plan, you can't plan for that, you know, no matter how, no matter how you plan. And I think for me, the timing was, the, the timing was quite difficult because I just started my, you know, my new career in IT. It was still quite male dominated in that industry. And um, that the, the you know the, the the consultancy lifestyle didn't quite work for me with a young you know with, with a young child. So at that at that point, um, my husband and I you know we had a real good chat about it, and 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 we we you know we decided that I had this real passion to continue with my career and build that career because I you know I'd only just made the change. Yeah. So 
so he decided, you know, so, so he he was more than happy and willing to stay at home and become a full-time stay-at-home dad well before it became fashionable, um, which he did, which was fantastic. And that gave me the space to do, you know, to continue with my career, you know, with my career. And that's when I made the transition and I moved to, to, to Network Rail because it, you know, it, it, it meant that I didn't have to travel so much so that I could come home regularly. Well, I could come home every day, basically yeah yeah as you say the consultant's lifestyle um it's it's really great if if it's the right period in your in your life I know when I used to do it and I enjoyed it and then you kind of reach a point where being away all the time being in hotels all the time and it is not conducive with a young family it just doesn't work um I'm sure well I'm saying that I'm sure there are some people who make it work but you do have to have incredibly um supportive people around you I think in order to to kind of make it work I was talking to somebody yesterday actually who um who was sharing her story about she'd done some consultancy work earlier on in her career and her parents actually said to her at one point you know you you really do need to assess where your priorities are here um, as a family so not just her but her partner as well because the the children were kind of being farmed out left, right and centre and kind of, you know, they're at an age where they need the family around them. And and I guess that's the joy of having the flexibility to do different things as you move through your career and make a a, a choice about what's important at different points. So why Network Rail then? Was Was it the right job at the right time or how did that happen? Well, what actually ha- what actually happened was um, there there was an opportunity through there, there was a, there was an opportunity to go and work on client on a, on a client site through Logica. Right. So I thought, well, let me go and have a look um, and see what it's like at Network Rail. Um, and at the same time, I applied for a permanent job and never real because I thought well actually if I don't like it I won't you know I'll go for the interview while I'm there if I don't like it I could you know I, yeah. I'll say I'll say logica yeah. so I did you know sort of hedge my bets and I you know when when I came in you know I, I really did did take to it and I think one of the reasons I took to it was because of the complexity and because of the the, the fact that it was so different, uh, lots of different facets of uh, uh, you know of, uh, to, of, to network rail, mm. and there were lots of people. I think you know again, I yeah. think that was what drew me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think there was I think there was something else as well. It was about the fact that I felt that there were things that I had in my you know in, in my career that were transferable. You know, so for example, you know, when we talk about constructing garments and, um, you know, manufacturing, there was an element of it which was similar to engineering. So, you know, you make things, you you, you construct things, you know, there's a lot of quality control around it. So I, th- I think that made it easier because I could see some similarities. So it wasn't completely new. Yeah. Um, and that helps me, make, you know, and that helped me make the, the you know, the, the transition. And it was the fact that there was, you know, it was a service. And I think one of the things, you know, and I do talk a lot about this, especially sort of more so now, is that one of the other principles that was strongly embedded in me from a very young age, coming from a Sikh family, was one of the principles, which is a seva, which is um, translated as selfless service. And it's to serve your community. You know, what, you know, and, and it's something that, you know, as you, you know, as you, you know, as you grow up, it's not about yourself it's about what you can do for others and it's how you um you know how you communicate how you provide how you collaborate and work with you know wider communities so that you know it serves everybody and I think that's one of the things that you know I guess it was my you know it it was a bit of my why you know you know why am I here what am I going to do and that really that, that really did make me feel like this is the right place for me yeah there's so many people, aren't there, in this industry who, when certainly when I speak to them about, you know, why why rail, why transport, why did why do you want to work in in this in this area, and there is this this kind of um, passion that people have and this inbuilt need that they have to do something which makes a difference, and it's that that kind of phrase because I want to make a difference is is so often I have conversations around this. Um, and and that kind of wanting to be part of something bigger, which is doing something good. 
and you yeah. know that's that's getting people from a to b for whatever reason that is but it's supporting the economy it's supporting communities it's supporting society and and you've done i mean you've you've been at network rail um a while now so it's kind of um yeah. when i i had a look on your linkedin profile earlier and it's kind of so nearly 17 years and you've Absolutely, done yeah. you've done quite a wide range of jobs so when you when you look back at those, are there any of those particular roles that stand out as being um, kind of like the, the ones that where you really felt like you were in flow um, and, and other ones maybe that you've got kind of a, I don't know, like a sliding doors moment, you know, where, oh, well, I, I, I made that choice instead of that one. And that's actually taken me to where I am today. Yeah, I guess I think. I think again, it's where um, you know one of the one of the places that I think I really felt home at was at station. I think right. I absolutely loved working at station. It felt again, you know, the, the, you know, it's a family. It really did feel thing. like a family. Yeah, and um, I think I, you know, you know all the staff. You, you you know, you know their families. You get to know about them. And that, you know, we spend so much time at work and we spend so much time with other people. You know, if you really genuinely care about each other and want to get to know each other, you, you know, you do get to know each other and you become real close friends as well. So I think, you know, I, I think that that really was, um, you know, a big moment for me. Yeah. And I guess... Um, I think my I think my love affair with I with with IT sort of moved you know moved away because I realised actually it wasn't IT it was the people side of things that that that, that I enjoyed more. Yeah. Um. I think also I just love to change whenever there was something new. But I wanted you know I wanted to be in it. You know I wanted to be in the middle of it. Just <laughs> because I, it just just because it it was something new and it was something different. And I guess I kind of wanted to contribute. It, you know, it was that that I wanted to add something to something. You know, something different. I wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. So, and that makes perfect sense to me. That kind of because IT in itself is an enabler of change, isn't it? So it's Absolutely. kind of maybe not getting excited about the the IT in itself, but but what it enables, how, it's, how it supports change within an organisation and within an industry. Um, and we're seeing that, obviously, at the moment as well, aren't we, with all of the things over the last 18 months that have been accelerated in terms of how we use technology differently in the industry. Yeah. Um, and, and oh gosh, so much change over the last 18 months and, and lots more to come, which I'm interested in, in, in getting your thoughts on. But before we do that, um, it would be really remiss of me just to kind of move on from your career story without coming back to the MBE and um, and the the honour that you've had um, given to you for the work that you've done, the really important work, full stop. But actually, in in this industry, where we we've we've got a way to go in terms of our um, diversity and, and inclusion culture. Um, What's where did that come from, Majinda? Where did that passion and and that desire and that kind of actually the energy to be involved with the number of things that you're involved with and the difference that you've made? Where does that come from? I think it came from I think it came from sort of an inner something inside me. I think one of the things that really happened to me was. I just felt lost. I, you know, I, I you know, I, I felt like I'd been on a treadmill. I'd had quite a good career. I managed to um, move things, but I, I, I got stuck and I wasn't, I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And then, interestingly, I had, I had some coaching because I felt I couldn't move. You know, I couldn't move forward. I was stuck. Um, I didn't know which way I was, go, you know, which way I was, I was going to go. And um, I had coaching and it, it was just like a revelation. It really was. It just, and I think one of the reasons was because I'd never stopped to think. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think one of the things I, I, I realised was I was actually quite afraid to think. Okay. And it, it was, I, I was afraid to, you know, I was afraid to think because thinking would have, you know, would, would have forced me to sort of think about all the things that I'd kind of buried, okay. the things that I didn't want to face, the things that I found difficult. 
And part of that was the things that were holding me back. Right. And so, you know, so, so when I started, started through coaching, when I started to explore this, I realized that no one else was holding me back. Right. Nothing was holding me back. It was all me. It was all down to me. And that's quite a difficult thing to, you know, you know, to sort of um, hold, to, you know, hold yourself to account. Yeah. So I had that, you know, I had this, co- you know, I had the coaching. And uh, and then I remember I walked into, um, I, wa- I walked into, I remember this very, very clearly. I walked into a, a Women in Rail workshop. Right. And I, I, I remember walking to this Women in Rail workshop. And I remember coming out thinking, I'm going to change, I'm going to change, I'm, you know, I'm going to change myself, wow. I'm going to change what I'm doing, I know what I'm going to do, but, you know, I'm going to change myself. Right. And we had, you know, and I, and I remember, you know, I remember that session, I, we had wow. a, a, you know, a two-way session, I was actually with Rachel Turner. Right, um, yeah, I know Rachel. She didn't even get a chance to speak because she was... <laughs> It's just you know, it was all about me, and she was so generous with her time. To be fair, and I remember, I remember going home, and you know, I didn't know anything. I didn't know much about women in rail, and I remember going onto the website and saying, going into contacts and emailing and saying, I have just come out of that workshop, and do you know what it's done for me? Wow, you know, I'm going to change myself. Mm. And I really started to think about all the things that I, you know, I, you know, that were holding me back. And one of those things was the fact that I, you know, I felt so much shame and I felt so, you know, so, so negative that, you know, that I wasn't a success. I wasn't um, able to be a success. You know, I wasn't, I, I wasn't worthy. All these things were holding me back. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I just, I, I guess I just started to, you know, I, I had the opportunity to talk about um, what, why. I was feeling that way and, and 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 I opened up and the moment I opened up and I started to talk about the impact that domestic abuse and non-abuse had on me mm. it really opened up not only things for me but I think the I, I think the um the, the way others opened up as well it just had a it just had an amazing you know impact mm. yeah. and and from that moment I you know I, I really decided you know I think I really decided that you know, my, my my why then was going to be about, you know, raising awareness, supporting others. And I realised what I had been given mm. and I wanted to give that back to other people because I realised how difficult, you know, and I'd been on this journey, you know, I'd, I'd been holding things in for about, tw- you know, 20, 30 odd years yeah. before I was able to even sort of think about speaking about these things. Mm. And it had, it, you know, it, it was, you know, it, it was just um, so liberating and so yeah. empowering. Yeah, that's one of the, it's one of the words that I was thinking of when you, when you describing that then, is that when you decide to, because we've all got a box, haven't we, that's got a lid on and there's stuff in there that, that the lid's firmly, firmly closed and we don't want to go there because it, it's uncomfortable or it hurts or it's, you know, whatever emotion, it's generally not a positive one. But by taking by by taking that decision to take the lid off and start to get some of this stuff out of the box and talk about it and think about it and feel it, you've given yourself, there's, there's kind of like it's scary because you've got the accountability then to do something about it. And you've got, you've kind of give yourself you've you've used the word liberating there and, and the word that was in my head was freedom because mm. you've, you've let all this stuff kind of go into the into the ether but the the strength that you have had yourself to be able to do that to then share that experience with other people is just massive because that the impact then it's the ripple effect isn't it it's not just helped you in your life but it's helped so many other people. And I mean, you were you were involved in the Rail to Refuge scheme, weren't you, last year? Which I just, you know, I, I it made me really emotional when I read about it um, in terms of what the rail industry was doing to help people uh, who were in just a, a really kind of really dreadful, even worse position than, than, than everyone else was in lockdown. Um, so, so being involved with stuff like that is having that, amazing ripple effect using your experience 
Yeah, I, and I think you know, I think COVID added you know more more attention to it um, during the pandemic, pandemic, and and raised greater awareness. But I think it also um, it also filters down to the way we you know the, the way we behave, the way you know what, what our attitudes and, and, and beliefs, and how we you know how we work together. I didn't. I haven't always felt comfortable in sharing my vulnerability. Mm. Um, I haven't always felt that. You know, I haven't always felt safe in you know in, in, in an environment to sort of say this is how, how how I feel, and I know what that feels like. Yeah. And so you know, by sharing, I, I think it, it, it. I think it gives other people permission as well to say, actually, yeah, I feel like that too, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I think the biggest thing that that, that, that I've got from that is that it's not a weakness. No. You know, I think the first thing is that I worried was, oh, people are going to think I'm weak. People are going to think I can't cope in my job. People are going to think that I'm not resilient enough. And then I looked and I thought, you know, I'm all those things, which is why I'm able to do this. Absolutely. Well, yeah. And I think whenever, you know, I read a few articles um, leading up to, to our conversation today, um, read a, a few things about you around kind of the MBE and so on. The words courage and resilience come up time and time again. And, and I think it's, you know, it, it's it's kind of easy and a lot of people do not to recognise that to get where you've got to and to be who you are um, and that your, your, your whole self, it takes a huge amount of strength and a huge amount of resilience to do that, especially when you've had difficult times to cope with um but th- there's a there's a great quote which is is quite often attributed to Nelson Mandela because it's a speech that it, it was part of his speech when he was released um from prison um but it was it was actually um Marianne Williamson I'm looking down here because I have it on my wall um in my office and it's it's kind of the same but um what you t- what you're talking about it's it's called our d- deepest fear and it's amazing, and I'll send it to you after we've after we've finished this recording. But it says, "Who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? Your playing small does not serve the world. We are all meant to shine. As we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And and you are well and truly letting your light shine. And I know you're giving back in so many different ways. And you've mentioned the Women in Rail uh, workshop, and you're a trustee now, aren't you? Of the I, am, I am. I am. I am. Yeah. I could. I could never. I could never in a million years have thought that that was possible. Never in a million years could I have thought that was possible. Yeah. And I think that's probably why. Um, you know, I, I take. I take it so seriously. Uh, you, you know, any, you know, any time, any energy that I have, you know, I, I put into that because, you know, I, f- I feel that I got so much out of it myself. Mm. And, you know, I want to be able to make sure that other women, you know, and, and men, you know, yeah. get, you know, get, get the same. And I think, you know, I just think it's, um, you know, I could, I just think it's a fantastic, you know, organisation. Yeah. It's, it's growing from strength to strength, um, and, and to be honest, I, you know, in the railway industry, I think we're lucky to have, um, you know, something like Women in Rail because it really is um, a cornerstone of, of what we stand for, yeah, collectively. Absolutely. And so, so kind of that's that's leading us into um, a conversation about the railway of the future. So, as mm-hmm. we we go, clearly, we're going through this this massive change and transformation that that we needed to do it needed to happen anyway but the pandemic has accelerated in a lot of areas um in terms of the future what would if i if i could give you three wishes reginda to say what three wishes could we grant for you that would give the railway of the future it would look like like you would like it to look or in other words because that was all very clunky how i've just worded that but if mm-hmm. if you were the boss what would you be doing? What would be the three most important things you would focus on? I think the first thing would be just the collaboration. I think we're still not working together as, you know, we are working together, but I think, you know, that there, there's a lot more to be done to work more closely and seamlessly together. Yeah. 
So I think, you know, we, we are kind of, you know, we're, we're lots of small, you know, lots of small little part, parts, but we haven't quite got how we work together seamlessly. So I think there's, a, you know, a bit more work to be done there. I think that will that that will really strengthen um, the the industry, but also it will leave something in terms of a legacy about how we want to work, you know, together and how we want other people to work together in the future as well. Yeah. Because wh whatever we're doing now and whatever we've done in the past, it hasn't been. Um, it, you know, it hasn't quite hit the mark, and that's why we're constantly changing. And we're constantly changing because we we, we need to keep adapting. You know, um, customers want more, quite rightly, um, and we need to adapt and we need to, you know, keep, um, you know, and, and I see some similarities to retail. I sort of really do see that actually if we don't adapt, you know, we, 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 you know, we will lose what we have and we've got a great rail industry. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you go and look at our high streets, they're not what they used to be. And it's because they haven't quite adapted. They haven't kind of thought about, um, you, you know, how they, where they should position themselves. Yeah. So, so I think there's some learnings there, um, you know, that, 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 we, that we can take. Yeah. I also think, and this is this is something that I know lots of people get frustrated frustrated with, and it's very difficult when you're, um, you know, when you're funded by the public purse. But the governance and the bureaucracy, I think that 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 you know that there is a place for governance, you know, absolutely. But I but I think it kind of throttles us in a way. Sometimes it it, it stops that innovation, it stops the you know that that. Um, a little bit of risk taking you know you need to take yeah. a little bit of an informed risk yeah. to you know to kind of move forward um and, and i guess the, the, the final thing the third thing for me would be just there's something about the people element we haven't we, we've made i think we've during the pandemic i think we've made some great progress about how we treat each other definitely you know, and that you know and that's not a bad thing Mm. um but 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 it's how do we you know how do we continue and make this work you know um, going forward for both you know and and it's got to work for individuals but also it's got to work for organizations as well and it's finding that balance and I think you know it's a very different it's a very difficult thing that you know I'm talking about it and I can imagine people saying well Virginia how are you going to do it then <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But I, I do think I do, I do think there's there's something happening now in my, all my 17 years of working in network around I'm sure there's people who've worked longer but it does feel different it does right. feel that things move forward um I, I think there's that there, there's there's less skepticism I think as well I think right. you know we can you, you can see that we've done things during the pandemic we've done things that yeah. I'm sure people thought, you know, oh, we can't do that. We can't yeah. do that. Yeah. So, so I think it's a great example to say, actually, we can do things that we never thought we could do. Yeah. And and some of that, to kind of go back to your second point, some of that governance and bureaucracy, it certainly feels from an outside perspective that there's been a sensible conversation that says, what, what of that do we need? And so yeah. we are in, you know, when we were kind of right, going back to March 2020, we're in a crisis. We can't have 10 meetings to sign off every bit of this and get, you know, the world and his wife involved. We've got to act quickly. So how can we do that? And it has been done. It has been achieved. The collaboration has been achieved. So for me, and, and quite a few people that I know, we've got this massive desire for the industry to continue to be bold and be brave about that type of behaviour. Let's not slip back to what we were doing before and the kind of um, the lack of collaboration or they going back to, well, no, we, we've got to go through it with a fine tooth comb, cross every T and dot every I and the whole governance and bureaucracy. We're obviously, we're a safety critical industry. There has to be regulation. There has to be governance, but yeah. we also need pace and we need change. Yeah. So there's, there's going to be an interesting balance there, isn't there? For there sure. is, there is, there is, and I think it's the mindset. I think you know, you know, I'd like to think that people's mindsets have changed a little bit. You know, that they've they've moved. 
um, I think that's really important because you know if we don't have the right if we don't have the right right mindset, then it's very difficult to bring everybody along with you. Yeah, it really is. And and I guess that leads me next into um, into my three final questions for you. So we do like to uh, to leave our audience with some um, some kind of specific inspiration, I guess, in terms of, of things to think about and, and things to look at. Um, Reginda, is there a, a leader that uh, whether that's a thought leader, whether it's an actual business leader, somebody you've worked with throughout your career, is there somebody that stands out for you as being an inspirational leader? Um, and, and you know, you don't have to name them, but if, if not, could you tell us a bit about why they inspire you? I think seeing women, you know, seeing women in senior roles has definitely been inspiring for me. I think for me, watching, you know, watching how they operate in, you know, in in quite a, you know, in in quite a male dominated environment and, you know, and not, you know, and not losing anything, you know, you know, you know, you know, not taking on any of those sort of masculine behaviors and, you know, almost, um, you know, almost, you know, they've influenced the men, I think, is, is, is well. Yeah. You know, so, so I think for, for me, having, you know, and I can, na- you know, I could name one or two, but I'm not going to name one or two. And I think they've, they've, they've had a huge, a phenomenal, a phenomenal um, impact on me. And, you know, in particular, you know, seeing, you know, seeing some, you know, seeing women like myself. You know, I think that you know that 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 that's really made made an impact. You know, I never thought I could be where I where you know where where I am because I didn't have a role model. You know, I thought you know um, I'd get married, I'd have an arranged marriage, I'd have children. You know, that 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 was the path that was laid out for me. Yeah. Um. And you know, so so it's given me a different perspective, seeing other women, seeing you know what they you know what 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 they've done, and more importantly. More importantly, I have two daughters, so you know I've set the pace for them. So they've, yeah. you know, what they've given me, I've passed down, and you know that is for me that is priceless. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely, and I think that you know there's an expression, isn't there? You've got to see it to be it. We need to see yeah. role models. Um, we need to see people, women doing, 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 having careers you know, being in important roles, being in critical roles within organisations, because we want our daughters to see that that's possible. Um, you know, and, and I know that that my 18 year old daughter, you know, she she has a far different approach um, than I did, certainly when I was her age, because she's she definitely is kind of right. Bring it on. I can do any role I want yeah. to. I can, I can take on any job I want to. So long may that continue. Um, so just. I'm quite interested to know, and this is, I think this is a more difficult question, but are there any businesses that that stand out to you, Reginda, when you're kind of looking at um at, at how they run their business, um, how how things are done, that you're thinking, gosh, yeah, that's a that's an organization that's fit for the future. Um, I, I like how they're working. Is there anybody that stands out for you in that area? I think it's interesting because I was thinking about this, and I and I guess um, Amazon is a you know is, is a big one that, that that comes to mind. And I guess for me again, it because you know it, it's because again it, I, I get I look at the customer focus you know and the customer service element of it. Yeah. Um, and I also just think the scale. I think you know to do something like that and to make it work on such a scale is you know is, is quite an achievement. Yeah. Um, and and I and I I don't know I just think that model works mm. and, and and it's it was it was quite you know it was quite groundbreaking I guess it's, absolutely it's, it's well, you know? yeah so there's something <coughs> you know there's, there's something there that you know I'd quite like to unpick it and sort of almost look look in and see well how did that bit work and how did that bit work and how do they do that because there's so many different facets of it and I think to try and look at the whole thing is quite difficult but just to look at elements of it. And um, you know, really, you know, really, really get under, you know, almost really get under the bonnet of it and see how they do, how, how they done yeah. that. They've turned the whole logistics industry on to, on its head, haven't they? 
And I think that kind of idea and and again, you know, last 18 months, then, you know, we've all been, um, I'm sure, using Amazon more prolifically than we ever have done before. Um, And, you know, my my husband was making comments about the number of times the Amazon man was coming, you know, and kind of a raised eyebrow kind of always here again. (laughs) It's like, well, um, I think that they've the, the fact that I can decide that I want something, I can go online and order it and then literally tomorrow it will be on my doorstep is just blows my mind. Um, and, and I guess, you know, we were talking earlier about the IT enabling things, then it would be really interesting to, as you say, look under the bonnet, see how it all works. Um, and, and, you know, have an hour with Jeff Bezos. My God, you know, that's going to be an interesting conversation, isn't it? So, um, so yes, I think Amazon are, are really um, a, a company of our times. And I'm, I'm sure that there are elements of the business that we wouldn't necessarily be inspired by, but there's a lot of good stuff in there. And, and my final question for you, Reginda, is, um, and you can see by this, this kind of leaning tower of books behind me that I am a, I'm a big reader. I love books, always have done. Um, I'm really interested to know, is there a book that you think we all should read? The book that I read, um, which was one of the ones that I did read for my coaching accreditation, was Nancy Klein's Time to Think. Okay. And I thought that was, I thought that was phenomenal in terms of just giving yourself space and time to think and I guess it resonated with me as well because we're all you know I've always been so busy you know you know you get caught up in the busyness Um, and and it actually took me back to where I got stuck as well and I never took the time until I was coached to think think about what was going on what was going on for me what was going on um, around me you know where did I want to go you know how often do we take time to think and during during lockdown just walking through the park walking through um the woods and just taking time to think again just brought you know just brought that um you know real you know really to life yeah that really speaks to me it's something that I I keep coming back to that I need to to make time I have a friend, um, friend of mine who, who is a coach and she uses this brilliant expression for when, when we have conversations and she says that um, she holds the space and I love it. It kind of just gives me a great image in my head and she said you need to hold the space for that and, and I guess it's another way, perhaps a prettier way of saying put it in your diary, you know, make sure that, that it's in your calendar to say, right, that's your time to think. Um, so that that is a really great recommendation. I haven't read it and I'm going to. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And, and Reginda, I could talk to you for, for hours, quite honestly, because I find you such an interesting and inspiring person. Um, I'm so grateful to you for agreeing to come and appear on the Intuitive Insights podcast. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate it. And, um, and the best of luck to you as you as you move on in your career. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My huge thanks to Reginda Pryor, MBE, for joining me on this episode of the Intuitive Insights podcast. 